Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. So this podcast addresses what an interdiction is and when it's necessary. I'm Paul Rabelais. I'm an estate planning attorney in Louisiana. Have been involved in a number of interdictions. None of them are ever fun, but sometimes they're necessary. So first we'll go into what an interdiction is. We're going to go through the procedural steps um, and take it from there. So Louisiana calls this procedure an interdiction. Other states may call it a guardianship, may call it a conservatorship. I've heard a slang term for it called a living probate. And it's essentially when you have someone who's 18 or older, which means they're not a minor, and they're unable to uh, transact for themselves or for other reasons that we'll get into in a minute, um, they need to be declared legally incompetent and a... Um, well, what in Louisiana is called a curator or in what in other states called a guardian needs to be appointed for them. Why would anybody want to go through this? Well, for a number of different reasons. Sometimes there's a, and let's just, let's just work off of an example. Let's say that, um, you know, maybe mom died years ago and now dad is alive and he's older and he's not doing too well. And and his capacity to really understand things just isn't there anymore. And maybe he signed a power of attorney or maybe he didn't. And um, if he did, maybe the third party that you're trying to get to honor the power of attorney is refusing to accept it because nobody can be forced to honor a power of attorney in Louisiana. So perhaps um, dad's home needs to be sold and either dad has never signed a power of attorney or the title examiners won't honor the power of attorney. Maybe dad is in jeopardy of, of harming himself either, either physically or financially. Maybe dad is being taken advantage of by people who um, are getting dad's credit card number or getting dad to go to the bank and getting dad to wire them money. And so, um, uh, you know, somebody needs to intervene to prevent dad from being able to do that stuff again. Maybe dad, his, his um, medical records um, are, are needed and, and he doesn't have the capacity to request them and no one else can, can request those for him. So you need to get a curator appointed to be able to handle that. Maybe dad needs to get access to his uh, certain financial accounts, maybe his IRA, maybe his 401k, maybe a brokerage account that's in his name. And either dad has no power of attorney or we see this a lot. Um, the financial institution won't honor the power of attorney that the lawyer prepared, the only power of attorney that the financial institution will honor is the financial institution's own power of attorney. And maybe dad never did that. Or maybe the person that he appointed was mom and she's already passed away. 
and now there's no way to get at that account um, because dad doesn't have the capacity to do it. Um, and so no one can do it on his behalf. So got to go through the court process to get some someone appointed as his curator. There's a number of other reasons where these interdictions may be necessary, but those are a few of the basics. Okay, so let's go through the process. You know, some people say, well, uh, you know, you're telling me, Paul, that we got to go through a judge um, to have, you know, so-and-so declared incompetent and have a judge appoint a guardian. Oh, well, my co-worker's brother's mother-in-law knows a judge. We'll just call her up and we'll get it done that way. That doesn't work because there are um, some <laughs> a significant amount of procedural aspects that are required to be followed. It, it seems like the layperson just thinks that, hey, if you know a judge, you can kind of get anything done. But it's not the case. We have rules, we have procedures to follow, and we got to follow them. Otherwise, these things are going to be invalid. So an interdiction, and again, that's a Louisiana term for it. It's where we're ultimately hoping, or at least the person who files for the interdiction, is hoping that a judge will interdict the what's called defendant and uh, the judge will appoint what's called a curator and an undercurator. We'll talk about that in, that, in a minute, that in a minute. So let's go back. Our hypothetical example, mom passed away years ago. Dad no longer has capacity. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's starting to really mess some things up. Um, and, and, he can't, and the financial institution realizes he doesn't have capacity, so they're not letting him access the accounts. Um, he can't go request his medical records because they know that he doesn't have capacity. His house needs to be sold. And again, he doesn't have the capacity to understand what he's doing. If he were to sell it and sign and get everything notarized and witnessed. So the family's in a pickle. So what happens in that scenario typically is, you know, typically a child or children will file a petition to have dad interdicted. And so it's a petition that's you know prepared by attorneys because it just has to follow all the formalities and attorneys are the ones who you know best understand our, our code of procedure. So in that petition, there's got to be a lot of information, including the name and address of a spouse if the defendant or if dad is married. And it also must include the name and address of the adult children of the defendant or of dad. So I, I keep saying the word defendant, and I say that because dad is actually being sued to have his capacity taken away from him. So that petition gets filed, and, and we're about to go through a series of steps, none of which happened fast. You might think, why not? And I'll just say, because they don't. But there's a number of steps, and each one takes time. So the petition gets filed, and then the next thing that has to happen is uh, the defendant has to be what's called served with the citation. So sheriff's office, you know, representative, uh, once all of the uh, petition paperwork is processed, the sheriff's office, you know, travels over to the nursing home, the assisted living facility, the house where dad lives, and he 
you know, um, serves that paperwork on dad. So kind of, you know, dad now has the, the lawsuit or the petition in his hand. Dad's saying, what in the world is this? Um, I like that gun that you've got on your hip, but I don't know why you're here. So dad's got a petition. And so now he's been served. And also at the, at the same time, uh, whoever it was that filed the petition has to mail a copy of the petition by certified mail return re- receipt requested to the last known address of everybody named in the petition. And the spouse is named in the, in the petition. All of the adult children are named in the petition. So our procedural rules require that everybody who may have an interest in dad getting interdicted has to get a copy of the petition. Okay, so the next thing that happens, here's another delay, is you have to give the defendant time to answer the petition. Now, in our hypothetical example, dad's out of it five minutes after he gets served with the petition. He doesn't even remember that he got served with a petition. And then, um, so... But nonetheless, all of the delays have to run uh, for dad to answer the petition. So you gotta wait uh, 15 days to see if dad answers the petition. And we all know because dad's out of it, he won't. But sometimes uh, capacity is questionable and someone gets sued to be interdicted and they do have some capacity. So maybe they will hire an attorney and and want to answer the petition. But in our case, and in most of the interdictions that we deal with, it's it's just a foregone conclusion. The person who's being sued or potentially interdicted just has no capacity to understand these things. So all that time goes by um, when the defendant has an opportunity to answer the petition, they don't. And so the next thing that has to happen is the, the person who initially filed the petition called the petitioner, uh, applies for an, a court order appointing a court appointed attorney to represent the defendant or dad. So there's another delay. Um, Dad doesn't fi- uh, file the answer. Now, uh, petitioner, let's call it son, has to apply for the court to uh, appoint a court-appointed attorney. How long does that take? Longer than anybody wants. And then that court-appointed ter- attorney has to personally visit Dad or the defendant and then at some point after that, a, a hearing or trial is, is scheduled. And again, none of that happens very fast. And then there is that hearing. And then, you know, all of the participants show up at the hearing. And then a judge rules that um, the person perhaps is or isn't interdicted, is or isn't declared legally incompetent. And if the defendant is interdicted, the judge will appoint what's called a curator and an under curator um, who you know looks over the shoulder of the curator. So there's 
there's other procedures. There's a temporary interdiction. There's um, a preliminary interdiction. So there's various rules based on, you know, how much of an emergency, how much immediate and irreparable injury or loss could result if things don't happen quicker than the normal course of the interdiction. But uh, just wanted to give you an idea of what's involved in an interdiction and why it's so important to plan ahead of time to keep your family from having to go through that. And you can keep your family from having to go through that often by um, taking advantage of legal strategies to uh, enable trusted loved ones to be able to handle your things in the event you're incapable using things like powers of attorney and trusts are common, uh, setting up financial accounts a certain way, um, using limited liability companies or, or other vehicles to make it easier for someone to tra transact for you in your, in your absence or in your lack of capacity. So you really need to talk to a, a really you know, competent estate planning attorney and you got to do all this stuff while you're healthy. If you wait, you may be waiting too long. You may have an injury or a stroke or an illness and not be able to set things up. And then you'll, you'll force your family from, um, force your family to have to go through these uh, really burdensome interdiction proceedings. So hope that helps. I'm Paul Rabelais. Make sure you take care of all this stuff. You'll be leaving a great legacy behind for your family, for your loved ones. Have a great day.